position. Now, according to what I firmly, strongly, I, have no, I don't have a shadow of a doubt that what we're going to be looking at in Revelation chapter 19, when this takes place, we will already be in heaven. All the saved will be there. In fact, it tells us in this chapter that we're going to come back with him when he comes to be king over all the earth. And so, uh, Revelation chapter 19, let's just start reading verse 1 and read down uh, to verse number 6, all right? Um, Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. See, we're already there. I don't think you need any other verse. There's it. There it is right there. We're there. We're in heaven. Saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And that's what the heavens, that's what they're, they've been, they're waiting for. Uh, this is the day they've been anticipating. Jesus has been anticipating. Now for almost 2,000 years, all right? Father, thank you so much for this time that we can have in the word of God. I pray that thou would grant to us understanding and power by the Holy Spirit. May the word of God speak to every heart tonight or today, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we have been taking this journey through the book of Revelation, we have seen several, several heavenly scenes recorded and of the people of God and the angels worshiping the Lord, worshiping God the Father, worshiping the Lamb. And we've seen that. It's, been a, it's always a blessing to read those throughout Revelation of people in heaven praising God. And we, according to the outline of Revelation and that's given in chapter number 1, starting in chapter 4, the things which shall be hereafter, right? even right, as we are here today, 2020. Those things are still hereafter. They haven't happened yet. And then right away, John sees the elder, four and twenty elders representing the New Testament priesthood, the New Testament believers. Already, they're in heaven. And they have crowns. They've got, they've got white robes and so on. And so, but when we get to chapter 19, this might be the greatest scene, at least in the New Testament, of worship of God in heaven. All right? And so... Uh, here's one of the, the one of the great scenes of worship, and then the chapter ends with a glorious description of Christ's victorious return to the earth. Notice there's no mention. Well, we get the, you haven't seen it yet. You haven't read it yet. But there's no mention of believers being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But there are the picture of Jesus Christ and all the hosts of heaven coming to earth on white horses. And so it's talking about two different things. We're looking forward to that trumpet when the Lord will come and take us out of this world. All right, and That's what's next. 
That's what we're supposed to be looking for. And we've been then as, as the months have gone by, we have, we have looked into the, the, the scriptures about the tribulation, about the Antichrist. Uh, most recently, we've spent four or five uh, Sunday messages uh, talking about that great whore that John writes about. In other words, that false worldwide religious system. And now it's destroyed when we get to chapter 19. It's, its destruction is over. All right, so let's get into it. So let's look at the praise, first of all. There are a couple things. Uh, there are two things, really, that, are being, that God is being praised for, that Jesus Christ is being praised for. And number one is the destruction of that false system, that religious system that has led millions astray and has, has led to the death and martyrdom of millions of God's people down through the centuries. Well, so this is what, the, this is what it says in verses 1 uh, to 3. <clears throat> it says, after these things, and after these things, after that, the destruction recorded in 17 and 18, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. The congregation of the saved, those who have been taken to heaven in the rapture, they're right there, they're before God. And so since, the, you know, since Christ went back to heaven and since the church began and since the gospel started being preached, how many thousands and millions have come over these 20 centuries? To know Christ. Well, every one of them will be there. Every one of us, if, if you're saved today, you will be there. And they're saying, Hallelujah, which is the equivalent of the Hebrew Hallelujah, which means praise ye the Lord. And they're singing, they're saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. In other words, they're just attributing or ascribing. These things to our Lord, the Lord our God. Salvation is of the Lord, and glory and honor and power, all these belong unto the Lord our God. And down here, one of the ways that we express that is in our hymn singing. These great hymns with the great words, the great messages of praise to the Lord. Now, four, here they're getting into the real praise here, for true and righteous are his judgments. The word true expresses that which is genuine. So the judgments of the Lord are absolutely genuine. There is nothing deceitful. There's nothing dark. There's nothing hidden. They're true and they're righteous. God always judges rightly. For he hath judged. See, by the time we get to chapter 19, that judgment is passed, that destruction. He hath judged the great whore. We spent, again, several weeks talking about this religious system, false system, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. That is her, her spiritual adultery, immorality, unfaithfulness to the word of God, her false message, uh, her deceit. Um, again, which has led, which has led many down, the, down to, to stay on the path of destruction. Jesus said that uh, broad is the gate, um, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads unto life. Well, so many have gone after this this system, and he's also God hath avenged the blood of his servants. At her hand. Again, many have died. Many have shed their blood. You know, God sees every one of those. Um, God has, has not forgotten. 
And the day is coming when he will bring vengeance upon all those who have, who have persecuted um, the people of God. All right? And again they said, Hallelujah. Again, praise the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. So it's an eternal torment. See, this system is made of individuals. Living, breathing people. Those who led the deceit and those who followed the deceit. And they're all going to end up in the same place. The lake of fire to be tormented forever and ever. All right? Now, now then they're praising the Lord for his power. Not only for the destruction of the false system, but for the divine power of our Lord. The four and twenty elders... And the four beasts, that is those four angelic, those special angelic creatures, fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And when, we, when they were they're saying Amen here, the, the word Amen literally means faithful. So when it's ascribed to God, it means they're just proclaiming His faithfulness. And when we pray, when we say Amen, we're, we're calling upon, we're trusting in the faithfulness of God, and therefore the idea is so be it. In your faithfulness, may it happen. According to your faithfulness, according to your will, may it happen. That's what it means. So after you pray, when you say amen, I hope you know what you're saying, what it means, right? And so they say that. And a voice came out of the throne. As the, as the Lord is, is pictured as seated upon the throne, a voice comes out of that throne. saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. In other words, those small means those who seem to be insignificant, unimportant, and of course the great ones, you know, but we're all equal. Somebody has said that the ground at the foot of the cross is level, level ground, and we're all the same before the Lord. And we, we praise the Lord for that. Small and great. Fear him. That is, to have those that have that reverence for God, that awe of him, um, that wholesome dread of displeasing him. And how we need to, to do, we need to remember, and even here in heaven, and this praise, this, this, this great, great symphony, if you will, of praise directed to God, it doesn't forget to, to, to the mention of those who fear him. Fear him. And we have... We have the fear of God is pretty much gone from our society and unfortunately from, from many churches today. Uh, in fact, people don't even like to talk about the fear of God. Oh, that's, that's something from the old days. No, you know, that's something for eternity here in heaven. Fear the Lord. We will, we will still have the fear of God. We'll fear Christ throughout all eternity. Even though we'll be in heaven, we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is, yet there will still be that fear. And then verse 6 is just amazing. And I heard, John says, I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters, the sound, the roar, if you will. It's just, it's no, you know, it's not the idea that the, that the singing is riotous or whatever, but it's just the idea that there's so many. There's so many voices that the volume is, is amazing. It's incredible to John. And I guess, I don't know what else you might compare it to, but many waters, when I think about the voice of many waters, I think of the couple times that, that we've been able to go to Niagara Falls and listen to that, the, the roar of the water. 
Um, one time we even we got we went on that. If you ever done this, we went on we rode on that made of the mist that boat that goes. And man, I tell you that's amazing. And of course, you got to wear a raincoat. <laughs> but anyway, but the voice of many waters. So one of the, some, a lot of times in the Word of God in the Book of Psalms, which is the music book of the Bible, it it, it talks about waters. It talks about the voice and the sound, and so on. And as the voice of mighty thunderings. Again, that sounding forth of praise to God, saying, Alleluia. Again, praise ye the Lord. And here's a, why. Notice this. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. You've heard that before, right? Have you heard that any place besides the Bible? You know, that chord, the hallelujah chorus. And I thought about playing that, but it would have taken about all the time. It would have taken, that thing's about 10 minutes long, something like that, just a shortened version. But it's tremendous. And I did a few couple years ago, if you remember, around, anyway, we had that, we, I played that for the prelude one time. I played, put the CD in and, and played that. And um, By the way, if you want to get a blessing, if you, get, if you have, if have internet, you go on there and just type in something like this, uh, choir singing, hallelujah chorus in New York City Mall. Have you ever heard, have you heard that? Anybody heard that? And it's cool. They just they just uh, distributed, or well, I don't know what the word is. They scattered the choir all throughout this New York mall, and and one by one, one person s- stands up and starts singing, and then one over here, one over here, one over here. Pretty soon, there's about thirty or so of them standing there, and they go through the whole thing, the whole the Hallelujah chorus, and people are, you know, people are, you know, so it, it's just amazing. To look at the reaction on the faces of some of the people, some of them, were like, you know, not that was there was a few that were disgusted. You'll have that, but most of the people were just overwhelmed, and, and they were man, they were just they were they gave them like you know they clapped and they they whistled and they cheered and everything like that. But it was beautiful. It's it is it is one of the greatest pieces of music ever been written. Handel, the Messiah. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Messiah. It's part of that. We got to see that a few years ago. Down in Scranton, they put they put it on. Anyway, it's an amazing thing. The thing that's cool, really neat about it, it's all scripture. It's a it's a scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, all kinds of scriptures about the Lord. So if you get a chance to listen to it, I would really I encourage you to do so. Um, my so so in heaven, by the way, that's gonna we're, we're, that's gonna be us. That's gonna be you and I who know the Lord. We're gonna be joining in. With that great, great heavenly chorus. I mean, just, wow, amazing. All right, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So, praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, he's coming. I don't know about you, but I am so ready for the Lord to come. I really am. And I know that there's a lot of things I I would like to do, things I haven't done, and people that I'd love to see saved. You know, that's all in the hands of the Lord. You know, know, the Bible tells us that the the first thing in our mind is to to be living for the Lord and serving Him, but the Bible tells us to be looking for Him. And I I don't know. Do you think about that? When you wake up in the morning, does the thought come to your mind, today could be the day? I mean, maybe not every day, but I, I hope you think about that. I was, the other day, I don't know, the, some, some of the cloud formations the last few years have, just, have been just amazing. When I see those, I think, oh, boy, there's that, there, those are just the right kind of clouds. But, but anyway, um, I re- heard of a guy one time 
There used to be a ministry, I don't know if it's still out there, in Wisconsin, Shepherd's Home. It's for mentally handicapped, disabled children. They teach them the word of God. Anyway, they were teaching them how the Lord was coming, and he's coming in the clouds. And one of the little children looked out the window and started to kind of cry. And the, guy, the leader said, what's wrong? Well, there's no clouds, so Jesus couldn't come today. You know what the teacher said? Don't worry, he'll bring his own clouds. Again, I thought, good answer, good answer. All right, but he's coming, he's coming, and that that should just stir hearts. Let that stir. And so, so praise the Lord, he's coming. So number one, praise verses one through six. Numbers two, preparation. There's some preparation for his coming. A couple things. One thing in particular that the multitude is is talking about and praising God about. Verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. This is the, I, as this verse, is, chapter, or verse 7 obviously comes after verse 6. It's, it's the continuation of their song. It really is. It's a continuation of the Hallelujah Chorus. Or the, this, this hymn, now they're singing about rejoicing because the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb. And his wife hath made herself ready. You know what? What is the marriage of the Lamb? Turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It's obviously, it's a, a spiritual marriage. I mean, it's a real marriage. It's a real union um, it is an it is a kind of a, it is an official ceremony, if you will, uniting the bridegroom who is Jesus with the bride, the New Testament Church. Okay, so in Ephesians chapter five, this is often used as a wedding marriage passage scripture, and rightly so. But Paul says in the chapter later that he's really talking about Christ and the church. That's the that's the number one focus here. So verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it. Now what is the church? Let me take a minute, and if you, I'm sure that most of you understand this, but it's not this church as such, but it, it is the church, it is the body of Christ, which will be made up of all who have trusted Christ as Savior. Only those who are saved are part of this church, that church, the church, all right? And we try to make sure that nobody becomes part of this church as a member unless they're saved and baptized and so on. But, you know, sometimes somebody might slip in. We try not to let that happen as far as actual membership. But the church in heaven is going to be all redeemed, saved people. Notice this. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now, that's, that's down here. See? That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is seeking to do and doing through, notice what he said, the washing of water by the word. You know, that the sanctifying, cleansing power and ministry of the word of God. And so that's what... That's what the church is on earth. That's really, that's one of the main responsibilities and privileges 
and ministries of the local church is to minister God's word. And, and so that and God and the whole the Holy Spirit will use the word to do this work. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's doing it for to me, for me, and for you who are saved. He is cleansing us. He's sanctifying, which means to set apart, make holy. And ultimately the goal is that we would be conformed to the image of his dear son. That's what Jesus is doing now to make us more like him. But notice, how is it done? By the word. No substitute for the word of God. That's down here. But then up there, what they're talking about, what they're praising the Lord for, in Revelation 7, 19.7, is this, that he might present it. Verse 27, notice that. That he, Jesus, might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So the marriage of the Lamb, back to Revelation 19, please. The marriage of the Lamb is when the believers, all the saved, all the believers gathered before the Lord, that we will be presented to Him as His spiritual bride. All right? And notice that, you know, we'll be, we'll be and what, what, what will have happened by then? We will have been taken out of the world. We will have received our glorified body. And there literally will be, there will be no spot, no wrinkle, physically, spiritually, anyway. We will be like him. But this is the day. This is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ has longed for. In fact, in John chapter 17, that great high priestly prayer, Jesus said, Father, I will that they also whom thou gavest me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Wow, you know, I don't know how much any of us, I don't know, I mean, maybe we, you know, you know, God knows, how many of us are, are really longing to see the Lord, how much we want to be with him, but I guarantee that none of us, want to be with the Lord as much as he wants us to be with the Lord. So he's, that, what a day. I mean, this will be the day for him. The marriage of the Lamb is come, Revelation 19.7, and his wife hath made herself ready. In other words, talking about a bride. As a bride prepares for her wedding day. Guys, you remember that day? Do you remember your wedding day? I mean, I don't know where it may have been for you, but I mean, I hope you don't. I, don't, I hope you don't mind. Actually, I don't care if you mind or not. But I want to talk about my wedding day. It was. It was besides the day that I was saved, the best day of my life. I remember, you know, like most of the time, you know, the guys, the guy, the groom is always comes down first. He's there, where it's the church, wherever it is. We were at a church in Edmonton. And uh, so I'm there, and the, and the groomsmen were there, and then, then the, I think, yeah, the bridesmaids, the maid of honor, all that, they were there. And then the doors open in the back, and here comes this, here comes this creature, this gorgeous, gorgeous creature in white, all right? I mean, the veil and, and the white dress and, you know, the bouquets and the attendants coming down. And I look back there, and I thought, oh, my, that is the loveliest thing I've ever seen, and i got to get out of here. 
That's, that sounds terrible. It really does. But those are my two thoughts. I know I've told you that before. Sorry about that. But that way, first thought, how beautiful. Oh, wow, I've never seen anything so beautiful. The second, I get, man, where's the nearest door window? I'm out of here. Now, why was that? Because I was scared. I, 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 re- I, didn't, I had no clue, really, what I was in for. But, I mean, I mean, I just thought about the responsibility. Man, this is a big deal. Um, here's the deal. No, anyway. Um, so... So you can understand a little bit of what this day is going to be like for the Lord, the bridegroom. The bridegroom loves his bride. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So, what's that, what is that white linen? It's a symbol of purity and holiness and righteousness. But you know what? What is the righteousness of saints? The righteousness of Christ. I mean, it's so, among all the things that are blessings of our salvation is the fact that we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, what, a, what an exchange. What a trade, if you will. One of the, the, the verse I, I might love more than any other verse in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For, for he hath made him, God hath made Christ to be sin for us. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You talk about getting the better end of a bargain, if you want to call it that. What did Jesus get on earth? He got our sins. He got our sins. And he got the wrath of God, his Father. And don't, let's, not, let's never, ever forget that. Um, Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus hung on the cross, it turned dark over all the world. And Jesus cried out because God had turned his back and separated him. And I, don't, and I cannot begin to fathom this, but in reality, because the Bible says Jesus suffered the full penalty for our sin. And the ultimate penalty for your sins and mine is eternal separation from God. And somehow, for those three hours of darkness, the Lord Jesus Christ endured and experienced eternal separation from God. And what did we get? The righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ. So God put our sins upon Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then for those who believe in him, for us, he gave us the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And we are going to be clothed in white raiment, Forever, as a reminder of what we have, as a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Praise the Lord for that. You know, we, we get everything. Do you realize that as Christians? We get everything. I mean, God, he just pours out his riches upon us. And then it says in Ephesians, in the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace. 
So what are we going to do for eternity? Well, one of the things we're going to do, the Lord's going to show us his, all his riches. Wow. Like most of you, uh, when I was married to my wife, I didn't have much riches. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, come and see everything I've got. It was, a, it was all in like a little green 65 Chevy. That was what I had. That was my earthly wealth, all right? But the Lord, is he's going to show us, oh my, he's going to show us riches beyond compare. Oh, but then just him, just being with, being with him. All right. We're not going to get through all this, so let's go to verse 9. And he saith unto me, write. All right, now he is the angel who's showing these things to John. We're going to see that in a moment. And he saith unto me, write. In other words, write this down. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. It's all going to happen. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren. I have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want to say a couple things about verse 10 in just a moment. Because it's really something that we always need to keep in mind. But in verse 9. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, most every time. And I'm going to turn. And you can turn if you like. Matthew 26 is one of the passages that I often use when we have the Lord's table. All right? And Jesus was talking there to the disciples, <clears throat> and he talks about his body, he talks about the bread, and the Bible says he break it, blessed it, blessed it, break it, gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. There in Matthew 26, very familiar. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so that indicates, and again, we can't be 100% won't be dogmatic on this. It's not part of our church doctrinal statement or anything like that. But scripture indicates from this passage and, and the whole flow of things that the marriage of the Lamb will take place in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb will take place on earth as kind of a, an opening event of the kingdom. Jesus said, I won't drink, I won't eat, I won't do any, any of that until I, in the kingdom, all right? In the kingdom. So, be that as it may, whether that's exactly true or exactly how it's going to happen, again, we can't be dogmatic on that, but I just think it, it fits the whole picture of what's going to happen when we come, when Jesus comes, when he returns to earth and to, to set up his millennial kingdom. One, I read or heard one fellow who talked about it years ago, and he talked about that the marriage supper of the Lamb is like the reception, and the thousand-year reign of Christ is like the honeymoon, all right? And we're just going to be at, at his side for a thousand years, just enjoying his presence. And I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. And then we're going to have the life. We're going to have eternity in heaven with him when all these things come to pass. And we'll, we'll see them if the, you know, if the Lord doesn't come before we're done. But we'll see these events, what the Bible says about it. 
And so, then he's, and so in, in response to that, John is just so overwhelmed and just so filled with, with awe and humility and the fear of God and praise and wonder and worship and all these things going through his heart and mind. He, fall, he bows down. He falls down at the feet of the angel. And he said to me, see thou do it not. No, don't, don't do that. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. All right? I'm a servant of the Lord like you are and all those who have the testimony of Jesus worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, the message of Christ, the message of Jesus. That is the spirit of prophecy. That is the whole idea behind all of the prophecy in the word of God. It's not so you or me or anybody else can just stand up and say, hey, look at how much I know about all these events. In fact, as I've been going through Revelation, I've come to the conclusion I don't know anything much about what's going to happen. We only know what's in the Bible, and we don't even begin to fathom that knowledge. But it's here, and praise the Lord for it. It's going to happen, but it's all about him. It's all about Christ and getting the message of the gospel out. And yes, we're going to talk about a little bit a little bit tonight, that fulfilled prophecy is one of the great things that, gives, that strengthens our faith in the word of God. That hundreds of prophecies have already been fulfilled, and many more will be fulfilled. And then verse 11, which we're going to pick up in a couple weeks, and I saw heaven open. John says, oh, it's all right. It's, uh, after all this, number, you know, uh, verses uh, 7 through 10 is the preparation. Verses 1 through 6 is the praise in heaven. Verses 7 to 10, the preparation. And then verse 11, the parousia, that is the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And he's coming. He's coming. And I hope and I pray that we're ready for his coming. Apostle John said, here's how you're ready. Abide in him. Abide in him. I trust you are. I trust, first of all, I hope that you're saved, that you've you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life, forgive your sin, be your savior, you know, confessing to him that that you are a sinner. Jesus said he came for, the, for sinners, not for the righteous. He came for sinners. And, of course, the Bible says all have sinned. And if we can help anybody, we'd love to do that. But I hope you know him. And I also hope that, that your life and mine, that, we are, that we're just looking for his coming, that, that, that well, that's the focus of our life. Whatever we do down here, we're doing it for him, preparation for his coming. May, may the Lord help us. Praise the Lord for what we have. And what we have to look forward to in him. Christ returneth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this time that we can spend in the word of God. And and Father, we didn't even get to the part yet about his actual return. And So I look forward to that. I just pray that you would use the word today to speak to our hearts. May our hearts for... Our hearts as believers, Lord God, please, may we just be so just overwhelmed and just so thrilled and, and just, just broken um, over what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he's given to us and what he's prepared for us. And Lord God, again, if there, you know the hearts of everyone here. Please draw unto thyself any who do not yet know Christ. 
And we will look forward to giving thee praise and, and thanks and glory for all that's accomplished. We pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books. Turn to hymn number 511. Hymn number 
Lord, with, with rejoicing, with anticipation, with longing, with fervent desire to be like Christ, to serve Him. And then, Father, there's just so many people. We have loved ones, we have friends, neighbors, co-workers who do not yet know Christ. And Lord, we would pray that we would grant that, that many of them would come to know Him and help us to be faithful to give the gospel. And help us, we pray, watch over us this afternoon. Bless our time as we continue to rest and just rejoice in thy goodness. And bless the service tonight.